You know, remember, we've just, we've been saying this for the last couple of weeks as we have moved into chapter 12 in Romans. We're moving more into the practical application of all that Paul has taught in this epistle up to that point. Uh, we've spoken about spiritual gifting and etc. And, and how we've been blessed with spiritual gifts, not for our own benefit, but for the benefit of the remainder of the church. And I just want to continue to encourage all of you to do that. Uh, and remind yourself daily that you're here not for your own good, but you're here in the biggest way for the good of everybody else. Uh, so maybe be faithful in serving our God and the congregation according to the gifts that God has given us to do that. We are bound together by the love of Christ and the love of the brethren. We are indeed an extended family and in some ways we're a family that we're closer to than we might be to our blood relatives. What is the, the nicest thing of all is very often our blood relatives are also Christians and that even increases our love and our bonding with one another. I really meaning to work a lot more at it last week, but verse 18 is in, in, very important in, in chapter 12. If possible, as far as it depends upon you, be at peace with all men. Whether they be believers or people who are yet unbelieving, peace, not conflict. So we're moving into chapter 13. It has to do with governing authorities because we're not, only, we're not only members of the body of Christ, we are also members of society, which goes beyond the body of Christ. We have responsibilities to both. We are members of both. Chapter 13, verse 1, let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those who exist are established by God. Therefore, he who resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath upon the one who practices evil. Wherefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due then, tax to whom tax is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. How then are we to live as Christians, not only as the body of Christ, but as members of culture and society. 
This is a pretty common theme in Scripture, whether you realize it or not. But I want to remind us as we begin this morning that you and I live in a land in which we have had freedoms like no other people ever in history by a long shot. In other words, in the context we find ourselves in, we should find it very easy compared to many other people to actually be in submission to the authorities. I want to remind us that Paul, when he was writing this letter, was writing to Romans. Roman Christians who are enduring severe persecution because of their faith. People were dying because they were believers. It's not absolutely clear whether Nero was in power just yet, but there's a very good chance that he was, and he was above all the greatest persecutor of Christians, of the Roman Caesars. He did horrific things to our brothers and sisters. He set them on fire at his dinner parties in his garden to use them as human torches. Paul is writing to these people and telling them that you are to be in submissiveness to the governing powers over you. Now what I've done is I've gone through scripture and... I have extracted what I think are some very solid principles that we need to abide by in regard to this particular issue. Number one is this, that even though the United States might be a democratic republic, the universe isn't. The most important thing for us to understand in regard to authority is this, is that God has absolute authority over everything. That means this, any person and every person that has ever been in any position of authority at all has been positioned there by God. God is ultimately in charge. No one has any authority over him at all. Very often people behave as if they think they do. Very often people think they can second-guess uh, second God and make better decisions than he does in regard to this, that, or the other. But ultimately that is absolutely ridiculous. God is ultimately in charge of absolutely everything he answers to no one, ever, period. That should be the most important thing that we keep in mind when it comes to these things. Because the first one is true, that means everyone is answerable to him. He's in charge. That means everyone, and that means all of all human beings and any other beings, angelic beings, and, and if there are any other type of being anywhere, then 
They are all answerable to him, every one. No exceptions. We are to be in subjection to those in ruling authority over us with some limitations established by Scripture. And you should be very familiar with these limitations. The first one is this, is we do what we're told to do unless they tell us to do something that God has forbidden us to do. The second one is this, is if they tell us not to do something God has told us to do. So in other words, for us to be in rebellion to any degree at all against the, uh, the, the governing authorities, we must have been told to do something he told us we cannot do, or we're being prevented from doing something he has told us we are to do. Outside of that, you and I have no ground at all for being rebellious. Because just remember this. Every person that has ever held a position of leadership is there because God has put them there. Some of them have done it very well. No one has ever done it perfectly. Except Jesus. But at the same time, we understand that really only Christians understand what the purpose of, of governing bodies and rule actually is. We understand this. We know that first and foremost, as a, as a leader, Christians see themselves as servants. They don't see their position of authority as, as having anything to do with them gaining notoriety or them having benefits as a result of it. Except they, don't, they don't see their position as being one that they use for their own benefit. They understand that God is putting them in charge. And I'm talking about leadership at every level. In the church and outside the church. We are called... As servants, to serve everyone else. And we know that sin has really run amok in the world, and we understand this. That there's, a, there's a large percentage of leaders throughout the history of the world that have completely turned that on its head. They see their position as being a benefit to themselves. How can they advance themselves? How can they have this? How can they have that? At the expense of everyone else. They steal from the people they're supposed to be watching after. They steal from the people they're supposed to serve. Lord Acton, a, one of the English lords in the 19th century, was a noted English historian, a politician, and writer, he wrote this, and, and it's true. Power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Unfortunately, history is replete with examples of exactly that. Over and over 
and over again. The truth is this, is that sinners don't do, normally do very well in positions of leadership. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that they completely misunderstand what leadership is. Leadership is leading. With a servant mentality. Serving those people that you lead. Not having the expectation that they serve you. Anarchy is what results. Very often. Next principle, sinners do not normally do well in positions of leadership. Being put in a position of leadership has the potential of causing you to become puffed up and proud. Look at me. Look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. Are you not impressed? It is very difficult for a sinner to faithfully do what is required for them as leaders. There is always the sinful nature, whispering lies in the ear. History again is replete of examples of bad leaders and not so many good ones. It should be very different in the church. The picture in the scheme of what we're talking about here should be very different when you look at the church as compared to the world. Unfortunately, I have to tell you this morning that there have been church leaders through history that might be classified as some of the most wicked of people that have ever lived on the face of the planet. Every Christian that is placed in a position of leadership is a Christian first and a leader second. You can never confuse the two. The second cannot ever take precedent over the first. If you're in a position of leadership, you are a Christian first and a leader second. We live in the greatest nation that has ever existed on planet Earth. For this reason, and you're going to find a culture out there that's denying it and, and will come up with all kinds of other reasons, false reasons, and this, that, and the other. We are the nation that we are. We are the nation we become because it, we have been greatly influenced by Christianity from day one. That's the only thing that has made us different. It's the only thing that set us apart. It's the only thing that has made us very great. And we live in a nation today where there's a large number of people who are trying to change all of that. They're trying to rewrite history and write Christ out of all of it. 
And what results from it is the anarchy that seems to be running amok to some degree in our nation around us today. It's anarchy. People are upset about social injustice, and they should be when it comes to some things. But turning around and doing even more gross social injustice as a result of it makes no sense at all. Another thing I would like to say this morning is this, is both learning how to be a good leader and a good citizen begins at home with parents. Parents teaching these principles to their children. Parents teaching these God-given principles to their children. Real leadership, the preparing for leadership, begins with mommy and daddy. Teachers also have a great deal to do with that. It's a very sad state that we are in today because there is obviously, you don't, you, there's no other possible explanation for some things that are going on today, but there's a large percentage of parents and teachers who are not training up the children in the way they should go. This is what anarchy is. It's when everyone starts trying to go their own way. One of the reasons that we started Covenant Children's Home was to help make that possible for some kids who otherwise would not have that. Almost 10 years now, they've been doing what they're doing. And it's hard work. It's hard enough work to do it with your own kids. Can you imagine trying to do it with other kids? Who know you ultimately really don't have that much authority over them? But learning how to respect and regard those who have authority over you begins in the home. And let me tell you, sometimes people think that ruling your home, and some men think this, the ruling, the, what the means and the biblical way of ruling your home is with an iron fist. No, sir. It is not. You are first and foremost called to be a servant leader. When your wife and their ch your children look at you, they should see you first and foremost as someone who does what he does to serve your God first and them second. You've heard some people say that fear is not a good motivator, and that would be probably a common thought today, that fear is never to be a good motivator. But let me tell you something, that's a bunch of hockey that's a hockey puck or whatever. 
Fear actually, in some cases, is the very best motivator there is. Why do you run out of a house that's on fire? Because you're afraid you're going to get burned up, right? Fear, fear is what motivates you there to do that more than anything else. Why do you not walk out in the middle of a busy highway with cars rushing back and forth? Fear. I'm telling you, there is a place of, of, of healthy fear being good for us. It keeps us out of trouble very often. It keeps us on the right path very often. So there's a place for fear in all of this. There's a place where fear actually helps, us to, helps motivate people to do what is right. What is going on in Seattle right now? People have lost that fear. Another thing that we always have to remember is this. Is that fear does not motivate us. Our principal motivation for doing anything and everything is love. First of all, love for Christ. Second of all, love for our brethren and our families. And third of all, even for unbelievers. And there is no place at all for self-love. None. Not one bit. Even though very often that's what so much is about, is loving self. When people look at you, what do you think they see? The love of Christ? Or the judgment of God. There's certainly a place for both. But I'm telling you, the picture that most of the people out there in this world have of you and I is that we are people above all that are judgmental of everybody else. That what they get from us is that we think that we are uppity and they are lowerly. That very often we look down our nose at them because we see ourselves as far better than they are. And unfortunately, I know some people that they may not really be that way internally, but that's kind of what they project. How often... That we need to be reminded that we're saved by grace and grace only. That we're called to positions of leadership by grace and grace alone. Because we have received grace, we are called to be of all people gracious to other people. Let me tell you, when you, when you lead by Christian principle... People will be delighted 
to be in your service. There will be joy. There will be satisfaction. There will be a, a real reason for having a sense of self-value and self-worth. Unfortunately, if you look at the history of the church, very often you see the leadership expressed in the church as not being Christ-given leadership. There have been leaders in, in, in the church in, in past days and today who believe that because they are the emissary of God, that their word is final. They know everything, they understand everything, and the best thing that everyone else can do is just follow right along with them and do what they are told to do. There are some church leaders that I know of that I would describe them as using that model of leadership. It is not Christian. It is not biblical. And I want to speak to the men in this room because we understand this. As a man, you are primarily a Christian. But secondarily, you are the leader of your family. And the manner in which you lead has everything to do with the results you're going to get. The manner in which you lead has everything to do with the result that you get. Christ is our model. Not the world. Not anything of the world. It's not easy to live as a Christian in this world. It's really not easy to live as a Christian when the people in authority over you are stink bags. Sometimes they are. But even in those circumstances, the difference between the way that you follow and the way other people follow is going to be very different. It is helpful to remember this. That God is the one who's put them where they're at. You might sit and wonder why. You might think that God has maybe lost his mind. He's lost his way. He's lost his understanding. But that is never the case. Ever. He has his reasons. Unfortunately, like I said before, there have been leaders in the, in the church who believe things like their word was the last word. Or they believe that, that, that what they said was the only thing that mattered. Humility is not something you always find. It should be one of the primary characteristics 
of a person in leadership is somebody that truly is humble. Because that's the only time that they are going to understand that you are more important to them than they are. That their goal for you in life is to help you ahead in a way that works to your benefit. Not to build up their own reputation. Not to become puffed up about themselves. I knew a man. He was a leader. For 40 or 50 years. And he believed that the way to lead was to put the fear of God in everybody. He accomplished a lot in his life compared to a lot of people. He thought fear was the way to motivate people as a leader. It isn't. fact is it's exactly the opposite humbleness gentleness mercy etc etc the attributes of a, of a leader who knows Christ and knows what God's expectations are for him.